What is going on? It is Adam. Welcome back to Bringing It Backwards, a podcast where both legendary and rising artists tell their own personal stories of how they achieve stardom. On this episode, we hung out with Cookie Kawaii over Zoom video. Cookie was born and raised in New Jersey and talks about how she got into music. She comes from a very musical household. Both of her parents are house DJs. She started to sing at a very early age. She started to sing in the school chorus and choir. She went to a Catholic school, so she would sing in church. Once she started to learn piano is when uh, Cookie started to write her own music. She told us about the viral success of the song Vibe, all about her debut album and the Club Soda mixtape she's been releasing, with the most recent being Club Soda Volume 3. You can watch our interview with Cookie on our Facebook page and YouTube channel at Bringing It Backwards. It'd be amazing if you subscribe to our channel, like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at Bringing Back Pod. And if you're listening to this on Spotify, Apple Music, Google Podcasts, it'd be incredible if you follow us there as well and hook us up with a five-star review. We'd appreciate your support if you follow and subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. We're Bringing It Backwards with Cookie Kawaii. Awesome. Well, I'm Adam, and this is about you and your journey in music. Hey, well, nice to meet you, Adam. Thanks for having me. <laughs> oh, of course. This is going to be amazing. Um, and I love the the album. It's, it's great. I, so I can't to talk to you about that as well. Um, so I did see Born and Raised. Are you from, you're from New Jersey? Yes. I, okay. Yeah, talk girl. to me about where you're born and raised. What was that like? Well, I'm from Irvington, New Jersey, so it's a little small town in Jersey. It's really dope. <laughs> Love growing up there. So, yeah. Um, and where I'm from is really is like right next to North New Jersey, which is like the home of like Jersey club music. So. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. I mean, that's like, on that. Uh, you, yeah. Sorry, I was trying to cut you off. Um, no. I was, I was going to say you come from a musical household, too, right? Were your parents both DJ? Yeah, both of my parents are DJs and they mainly played like house music. So I was always around music constantly as a kid, whether it's like blasting on Saturday mornings or just even waking up, you know, and constantly always hearing house music. So it's a blessing and a curse in a way. <laughs> <laughs> was that something that you were interested in uh, because your family is musical like that? Um, well, being so both of my, like I said, with them being DJs, it made me kind of stray away from wanting to be a DJ per se. I okay. guess that's like dove into just making music instead of like, you know, being the one that controls the crowds and stuff like that. But it has definitely influenced like just the type of music or the genre of music that I'm into, whether it's like house or like R&B, jazz. Like my grandfather used to blast the Temptations when he was cooking on Sunday. So it's just like it has definitely affected just like the kind of music that I like. But I still like all genres. So it's, it's a bonus. <laughs> Yeah, that's awesome. And growing up, did you, were you like in chorus or choir or something? Like at what point did you realize that you could sing or did somebody, you know, notice that you are, uh, you know, a great singer or how did you stumble upon singing? No, no, I was in a choir. Um, yeah, I was in a choir for a long, long time because I went to Catholic school. So it was kind of like one of the extracurriculars that came if you were like, you wanted to extend your music class kind of thing. Uh -huh. So. So from there, I was like in choir, I sang like in church and stuff like that. So it kind of like just stuck with me from there. At what age did you start the choir? Were you pretty young? Um, I feel like I had to because I don't remember the exact age. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, was that? Yeah. Like, so it, cause like I said, it, 
was like an extracurricular that came within within school. So it was like it was an option if you wanted to join the choir. It'll help you get bon- you know, extra credit on your on music scores. So it was just like, yeah, I'm in it. But it was just something that definitely instilled like a a solid foundation when it came down to like understanding music on that deeper level. You know, whether it's like the actual you know, putting things together, harmonizing the layering and different things like that. Cause that's what comes with being in a choir. You know, you're learning how to sing in a group. You have to be on timing. You can't over sing the person next to you, so to speak. So there's a lot going on. And I, I'm glad I got to experience that because that's, it helps me tons in making music right now. Oh yeah. I can't imagine. And I, I was also raised um, more, I was raised a uh, forced Catholic. And so oh. I'm, I, I'm, I'm well aware of like the hymns and everything that were are being sung in, in mass. And those aren't easy songs. No, it's definitely not. Like we, I was taught I, Ave Maria at a very young age. Like Ave Maria was like really. Oh, in- wow. <laughs> they, they I know the a- song. Well, <laughs> That has been, if you go to Catholic or been to Catholic school, you know, you had to at least hear it once or at least at some time during the Christmas concerts, like you you had to hear. That's so funny. My, yeah, that's a song that's definitely becomes like this earworm at my house. Whenever they sing it at, at mass, yeah, like around Christmas time or whatever, like I have a 15 year old and he'll just be singing it. Like it just like this stuck in his head, (laughs) like this hook that that was written back when. (laughs) <laughs> no, it's definitely one of those songs that sticks in your head and you'll sing it at random. It's like it's it's programmed in there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, once you hear it once, it's there for sure. Um, that's funny. What about um, do you play an instrument? Like, did you grow up playing piano or anything like that either? Play piano. I, I was self-taught. So that's that's a bonus. But I did take a uh-huh. few classes. But it didn't really stick with me like that, because like after already self-teaching myself pretty much to play by ear, it was just like. You know, my teacher was pretty strict, too. So it's like it's either you know how to do this or <laughs> you're going to have to be practicing all day and night to get it exactly right. But like, you know, when you're more of like a freestylist and you're just trying to do like just simple chords or stuff like that. So even if it's going into writing your own music, it's pretty simplistic. And and then I play a little bit of guitar, too. So, okay. yeah, it's interesting how piano teachers it, it, I just. I've had so many interviews with artists that have had such a negative experience with it. And you, you just it, like, you think of piano teachers and there's just already this like pre, you, know, you already have this kind of idea of what that would look like, right? Some lady, older lady in a house and like some cats and that's going to whack your hand. If you, you mess up, like there's never, it's never like this. Oh, I get, not a lot of people get that. Like, Oh, I'm excited to go. Like I got to learn my favorite, whatever song at, at, at piano. No, lesson. I- Most of the piano teachers, at least from my memory, even back in the day, it's just like it was it was taken way, way more seriously when it came down to playing any instrument for that matter, especially when it came down to piano or violin or there's certain instruments. I feel like I don't know, I guess the background of it is just so, so prestigious and serious that the teachers come from like a really old school kind of background. And it's like they don't play any games like you have to i remember my hands being cramped up and i told my mom i'm like i don't i don't like this <laughs> <laughs> they not like it like because it's like they want you to learn all of those intricacies and the things that you can really that really make you a, i guess a master pianist and huh. if it's 
just like a fun thing for you or just even something that you use to write songs on like a, you know, like if you don't plan on performing a whole full song, you know, via piano, then it's, I won't say it's needed for you to take lessons, but like there's some teachers that think you want to be the next. <laughs> right. Like you're going to be at Carnegie Hall or something. Yeah, right. yeah. I think they think that when they have a student, which is fine. I mean, why yeah. not have your student shoot for the stars? But most sure. of us just, kind of play our favorite songs or just use it to write our own songs. So, yeah, I don't know. It's I don't know why there's like this reputation with. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's funny. Um, he was a guy and he was still like very, very strict. But he he the story goes that like he played with like Ray Charles. Like it was like really, really, really extensive as far as like his resume. So, yeah, uh -huh. he. Yeah, just working hard. <laughs> yeah, maybe that comes down to it too. Is just if you have achieved that level of success, you probably are just wanting, you know, other people. You have, I don't know, I would have that notion of like, well, this is how you got to do it. Like, obviously, this is how I learned and that's how I've achieved this greatness. And you're kind of like teaching what you know. And you don't want your students, you know, if someone says, like, hey, this guy taught me or this lady. <laughs> them leaving you and they're like ruining your reputation because they suck <laughs> right you're at the piano just smashing keys someone's like oh you take lessons oh yeah i take it from so and so yeah. Ooh, okay <laughs> no and then they're like <laughs> so yeah you, you i can understand why they're like that but you, it, it's a shame that mo there aren't more teachers that understand the whole patience thing <laughs> yeah, that's funny um when did you start writing songs Oh, I was doing like poetry since like fifth grade. So what age are you in like a fifth grade? Like, like, like 10 or so. Yeah. Like 10. So yeah, I started writing poetry at 10 and um, it's kind of sprung up from there. Like the poetry led into wanting to see like, okay, can I turn my poems into like, you know, songs and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So, um, but mainly it was still poetry for a long time. Like I was just writing poems for a very long time, probably. And then i probably didn't start diving into really making songs and like going to the studio and stuff until like um, somewhere along, like getting into like high school. So it's like what you're like maybe 14 around that range. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. So after, around that, it's like, that's when I was like, okay, I solidly want to just see what I can do and see what my poems can turn into, you know? And when you were going to the studio, were you releasing those songs while you're still in high school or did that come later? Yeah, like, no, some of them got released, like I would put it on SoundCloud or whatever, and others will, you know, I would put it out and then see how I felt about it and probably just delete it because it sounded like crap maybe a week later to me. <laughs> and then <laughs> it's just like spontaneous, like before you know anything about the industry or marketing or PR or anything like that, you're really just going to the studio, creating and then putting it out like, you know, and deciding whether or not you want to keep something based off of you. Sometimes it could could have been based off of plays or something like that, but you're just still this like virginal artist, like trying to figure everything out. No. Yeah, definitely. And with that, like at what point does this become more of a, a serious thing? I mean, obviously you had a big moment in, in 2020, but, right. but before, even before that you had music out and was that something like, did you have free um, you know, vibe, was there something that had kind of continued your career, like, or like a little, like milestones that you had made or hit that you were like, okay, this is, I want to keep doing this. 
I mean, honestly, it's like I, I consider myself like an artsy kind of person. Like I do tons of things like photography, videography. I paint, I sketch, I just do a whole bunch of different artsy things. So music for me was just another one of those expressions. Like I was once I stuck with it, it was just something else that I was doing. Like when I had the time, you know, funds because studio time costs money. So when I had the funds to go create, then I would do that. And I was just putting out music like I didn't even really have any set plan like even before vibe like i had people telling me like i should put like my songs on platforms and i was just like no i'm just making music you know like it's not i'm not trying to sell it or anything like that i'm just making music so it took um one of my friends introducing me to my previous pub deal or the previous pub deal that I had before, you know, I signed with Empire and everything went from there. They were actually the ones that were like, okay, we're going to put your stuff up. If I would have never had that meeting, I would have still been just making music off of the creative that it just makes me feel good. I like to make songs. I like to, that's just what I like to do. So it turned into, you know, me being like this, um, this artist now that's, I wanted to say that takes it seriously because I was taking it seriously, just not in that way of, I guess, the business terms of it, like, you know, trying to make money off of it kind of thing. So yeah, after Vibe blew up, that was kind of like my doorway of saying, okay, like, okay, this can pay the bills. Like, (laughs) (laughs) So you uh, you said a friend um, introduced you to the publishing company that you originally signed to? Mm-hmm. DJ Lil C4 actually he's another club producer he's done a lot of different things and he's not, I don't think we're, we're both not signed with that same pub company anymore but like you right. know that was the initial okay hey she has some music you should you guys should check her out and it was just like okay let's let's put your stuff on platforms and it was I was only it was, my stuff was probably on platforms for maybe like a year maybe even not even close to the full year before vibe actually just took off that was like 2019 you know wow so it was kind of like instant <laughs> like well it's not instant when you're living it because it didn't feel like that it was still a whole year i think it was at least a year of that just constantly promoting still putting out music you know um just promoting it as normal and then poof viral on tiktok <laughs> yeah tell me about that moment though that had to be in um no. I would. I don't even imagine. Like I, I try to think of like how that would feel to have such a big like viral moment, right? It's like to me, it would be if I saw this video doing well, I would be like, uh, you know, like at a slot machine. I'd just keep pulling in, like, oh my god, like I would like just that dopamine hit. Oh, it's now it's at five thousand. Now it's at fifteen thousand. Like, like, uh, did you put it up and it went wild right away? Was it something that you put your phone down and woke up and it was like, holy shit, what's going on here? Yep. That's the process, but I'm, I I love telling the story because I like artists to know that it's it's not as instant as everyone thinks. Like vibe, okay. like, when I had that pub deal and um, I put out my stuff on platforms, this was around like maybe 2019 or so. Vibe still did very well, you know, just being standard before it went super, super viral. It still did very well. Like I think I still got at least a million streams or something Damn. like that on it just naturally this is before the viral moment even on soundcloud doing very well um a million streams on anything is nuts yeah right so and even for me like i mean it's not like i've never seen well not me personally but i've seen other artists get like a million plays a million streams so to me it's like a milestone like i was patting my back i didn't think like that was like 
the starter point to what's what was about to happen. So, <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Yeah, it's like I got a million like, hell yeah, I can hate, you know, like I did it. And now <laughs> that's just like the, the beginning. <laughs> yeah. So then 2020 hits. It's like maybe February, end of January, early February. So my friend, one of my dancers, she's well, she's a dancer and she's also my friend. And she hit me up. She's like, your song vibes going viral on TikTok. And I'm like, what's TikTok? <laughs> I, right. I'm like, what's that? Is that a new app or something? Like, should I be on there? <laughs> you know, she's like, no, your song's doing very well. TikTok, you should check it out. So I made a TikTok account, got on there and I'm looking. And at this time, it's still just the beginning. You know, it only had. 5,000 videos or so made to the song. That's still a lot, but yeah. But for an app that you've never even heard of, or you didn't have, right? I did the research. I found out that it was like basically musically updated. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, they just bought the change of name because my older son had it. And I remember he showed me musically. I'm like, oh, this is a cool app. And I don't think there was really any, uh, there wasn't a whole lot of artists that were on it. I remember Halsey having one. I was pretty shocked. I was like, oh, damn, like this, she has like, like this is cool. Right. And then I didn't hear anything about it. And he came right. back and was like, oh, this, you know, musically is now this. And obviously, <laughs> then moms got on it and it was a whole nother level when the right. pandemic hit. So, it, and that's where we're getting to now. So, like, I'm like, okay, my song's going up now. At this time, TikTok is still in its premature stage. It didn't have track identification. It didn't have any of the stuff that an artist would need to really market on this app. It was still mm -hmm. very. So, for me, when I joined and I'm like telling people, I'm like, oh, hey, this is my song. They're like, no, it's not. Like, because at the time, at the time, I think his name was um, Tony, Tony something. He was like a really big influencer and he used my sound and it and like went viral or something like that. And they were saying, no, I think Tony Lopez or something. They're like, no, this is Tony's sound. Like it was it was it was chaotic. Like I was literally trying to <laughs> like fighting for my credit, kind of like letting people know, like, no, this is me. I'm the actual artist. Yeah. Um, and from there was just a constant. That's just what it was like. It was a constant telling people like, hey, this is my song, my song, blah, blah, blah. And then the pandemic kind of hit. So that combination of the world shutting down kind of it's like it was a gift and a curse. I feel like us being in the house and not having much to do kind of marketed my song even more, you know, because we that's all we had to do is just be in the house and just hang out and do whatever. But in that same token, I didn't get to actually perform it on those big stages and really do all of that groundwork that most artists would do with a big hit like that. So right. I feel like that's what affected me in a way. Like there's tons of people that they, they know my song, but don't know me because they didn't get a chance to see me. But then even still, I mean, a hundred million streams in the end still works out in my favor. <laughs> <laughs> I'll say, yeah, it, it was interesting to see that happening with songs, obviously. Like, you know, I'm trying to think just because you said, uh, you know, you didn't have a chance to perform. It was just, you know, obviously just numbers on this app that are uh, not even only that app, but like with Spotify, I remember I interviewed Palfu who came out of like that SoundCloud stuff. And he had that coffee in my head song that mm -hmm. went viral. Right, and right, right. it was interesting talking to him because he was like, yeah, I've played one show and it was before I put this out. And then the pandemic hit. And now the song has a yeah, hundred million, whatever it had. And, 
it was the same thing. Like you, you didn't have a chance to really capitalize on it um, in, in the, the standard way, right? Standard way. It was like there was even the labels, everyone, any, anyone that had a business had to completely revamp how they went about going about business because we, you couldn't even sit next to someone in a bar or something like that. Like right. everything was changing in a way where even the industry had to just go about things differently when they came down to just promoting artists. Like I did tons of zoom interviews and tons of like digital stuff. Like, but I guess that just still shows the importance of an artist still getting out there and performing and connecting with people and people seeing your face and you being able to do shows where there's more, there's not like a limit to how many people could be in there because of, you know, the pandemic and stuff like that. So it's, it's just crazy, but I feel like even with this interview now, it's just like, there's just people that have to care enough to go, oh yeah, no, this was a big moment. Let me interview this person or let me invite this person to come out and perform because this was still an important moment that happened in music. I mean, people tell me all the time, like even where Jersey Club is now, it's like my my song was kind of like um <laughs> some of the blueprints of like really pushing it on that TikTok surgence of, you know, club music going viral right now. Right, a hundred percent because mm -hmm. it has blown up it Crazy. created yeah it created this like paved this way for this whole um yeah like uh scene to be kind of more visual to everyone else mm -hmm. and it's i mean i mean jersey club has been around for 20 years even right it's, it, you know it's not like i was the only person doing club music at the time or even the only club artist on tiktok making music but at the time of when I had to fight and, and really get them to understand what the genre was like now everyone knows, but like earlier on in that time frame, it still wasn't anywhere near where it is today. So, I mean, mm -hmm. I'm not those like more people discover me every single day because, you know, whether they heard, you know, a, a nice spice song with some of her stuff or pink Pantress or Skywater, like when they hear, certain sounds people somehow find their way to me so i'm happy about it <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's not a bad thing for sure like, um, as long as you're streaming me we're good <laughs> right but it's not only there's artists that came out or had a, a, a viral moment or whatever it may be during that time period and then they just that was it i mean you've been able to continually put songs out that people care about i mean it's you have multiple upon multiple songs that have millions of streams on Spotify alone. I mean, Violin has 40 million, nearly 41 million streams. It's trying to catch up with Vibe. I think it's a little jealous. <laughs> yeah, but that's, I mean, how amazing is that? To Were you worried at all? Like once that song popped off like that, were that hope, is this my moment and is this going to end with this song? Or do people care? How do I approach, you know, the next ones moving forward? Or was that not even something you were thinking about? No, I mean, honestly, you know, with any that I think any uh, artist would lie to you if they say they don't care because you do, you know, like once you reach a certain level or get a certain amount of numbers, then it's like, will I ever reach that type of success ever again? Or will any of my other songs get to that point again? But what I noticed is that from all the songs that have gone 
viral or been done extremely well on my part. I didn't necessarily predict them. Like I didn't predict Vibe was going to do what it was going to do. I just made the song and moved along and, and just kept creating like I normally do. Same thing with even violin. I made it. If someone asked with violin going to be the next one, I wouldn't have thought that. Like I just was making it. And I feel like sometimes I bring myself back down to earth. Like I don't even pick the songs that go viral. You know? <laughs> Like, it's not my choice. It's not up to me. Mm-hmm. I just have to make sure I have fun and create authentic music that people can connect with, honestly. And then whatever hits, hits, you know? And, and then it's also, you know, learning more about marketing and promotion so you can do different things or connect or collaborate with different people. So, you know, you keep that relevancy, but it's still overall just creating the music, putting it out, and I won't even say hope for the best, but, you know, just making sure you, you're you're being authentic to yourself, because if you're making music that people can relate to, that's that's what they're going to do. Like I can make a song and say I'm sitting here sipping coffee all day, sipping coffee all day. And somebody's going to love that because they sip coffee all day. <laughs> <laughs> You know what I'm saying? They're going to love that. So it's like sometimes you got to just follow follow what you know in your gut. And I mean, of course, naturally, you're going to you're going to want to do well. But you you got to sometimes realize a lot of things are out of our control. <laughs> like you For don't sure. Control what the public likes, what they'll gravitate towards. They'll there's so many different moments in history of music where people will love the the stupidest songs. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, craziest songs like you would never have thought that would have been the number one hit but it happens so yeah that's interesting i mean could you imagine being able to know what everyone wanted to be (laughs) you're like you're able to crack the algorithm in some way like if we if we all knew what what's the the designated formula to making a viral whatever it's not even just hit it could be viral video viral podcast viral painting whatever if everyone knew the formula we'd all be just rich sitting around right right and always a gamble you never know people blow up every day at random and they don't they and they and most of the stories are the same i didn't know it was going to happen you know mm-hmm. really just yeah. about being and just working and and putting out what you love and what makes sense to you because it's easy it's easier to to market something that's authentic that's just what it is and i feel like with tiktok that's been a big um thing for the app and people just knowing being able to seek out some like like bullshit right if 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 you can look and see if someone's if it looks fake or it looks like they're trying too hard it it's not as yeah. appealing to people, but if it's authentic, that's why it doesn't take a whole production crew. Some of the viral videos will just be someone holding their phone up, right? Just it, no. But, yeah. There's no like dollar value to the amount of time they spent on it, but mm-hmm. it could get 50 million views. Yeah. Like even vibe, I recorded it on my iPhone. So it's like, oh, wow, that's insane. That's awesome. <laughs> That's what I mean. It's like, and then even now it's like, I do go to the studio to record my stuff now, but it's just like, it doesn't, you don't need, you don't need all of the stuff that people just think you you need to become like this mega star or even just to get people to notice your art. You just gotta just do it. Honestly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Be authentic. It. it sounds like, I mean, you just doing you 
yeah. landed you a song with a hundred million streams, but not only that song, like I said, a multiple uh, yeah. the songs you've put out and you put out so much music. You're on the club soda volume three that just came out. Yes. Yes. It's, it's, it's the three part or the third part addition to a whole club soda series. I'm, I'm hoping to get to volume a hundred. <laughs> okay. So this is going to be an ongoing project. Yes. It's an ongoing thing. I have one, two, and there's three down. I think it was so dope that um, volume three got to drop in 2023. So now I'm like on, like on the nose with things. So yeah. Uh, trying to get to four. Yeah. In 2024. Yeah. <laughs> if we could line it up that way that each one drops into the next years, that'd be great. Yeah. <laughs> What's the, is there kind of a through line to all of them or is that just the, the record you're going to keep going with that as yeah. far as albums go? So I, my inspiration comes from like, um, just like the mixtape days when people would drop like just different mixtapes and then you'll have like different volumes to it. Mm -hmm. Like that's, uh, I want to keep that, like just that vibe of just being able to have a project or a body of work where there's no set direction or set formula. It's just really just music and having fun. So for example, Club Soda volume seven may not even be all club music it may be something else but it's still just well it would have to have some at least one club song because it is club yeah. soda <laughs> <laughs> but ultimately like it's like there's no set direction outside of the fact it's going to be just you know glass full of just music and something you can vibe to yeah and you have another record out as well that's not part of the club soda uh which one is it um, let me see. I have to go back and look. Because you have a, another album out, right? I believe. Yeah. That's like, yeah, that's it's separate from the Club Soda series. That was like my my debut Jersey Club album. Okay, got it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The one with disco on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's okay. my debut Jersey Club album. That has nothing to do with the Club Soda series. That was just like my introduction to the world album. <laughs> okay. Interest. So, and that, not even so was the that had like a direction and an idea behind it yes. from the beginning. Mm -hmm. Understood. OK, so and when it, are you going to be putting out those type of uh, albums alongside all of the Club Soda albums as well? So that's you're doing two projects simultaneously. <laughs> Club Soda is just like the fun stuff. And it also keeps the fans you know, fed <laughs> during the time of when you're working on an album because albums, you don't even know when an album's going to be finished, done. You can have a time frame to when you want to get it done, but an album, it's, it's a different kind of body of work for an artist. So it can take years for some people to finish albums. So the Club Soda series also just gives the fans something in between those albums so that they're not waiting for the next thing. They're like, okay, I still can eat and sip on my club soda while I wait for the next, you know, album. Oh, okay. Now I understand the concept. That's awesome. Okay. So the, yeah, that was an album that was thought and, and, and mapped out as an album and the club soda are just, are, are just little mixtapes that you're going to put together throughout the year in between album. Yes. That's awesome. And yeah. so are you working on a new album right now? Yes, I mean, I have the the title that I want to call it, which is going to be called The Cookie Jar. I think that's just so cute. Oh, um, cool. Yeah, so I'm working, I'm working on all of those projects collectively because what I do is I go to the studio, 
I hibernate and I just bang out like a whole bunch of different songs, a whole bunch of different ones. And then I kind of at the end, once I have like all, all my songs, I collectively structure them in groups, whether it's by the genre or by, you know, vibe. And then kind of collectively see which ones would be better album songs or something that I could put on the side for Club Soda or something that could be a single. And then I just go from there. So, yeah, I am. I'm definitely working on my next album. I'm working on Club Sodas. <laughs> like, I'm just working. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, I was. Uh, that was my next question, actually, was if how you went about segre- uh, like separating what would actually make the album versus, oh, this will be on the next club soda record but it sounds like you, that you categorize everything kind of once yeah, they're made how it feels like you know it's like you can make a song and like i said have no intention on or at least in my case knowing which project it's going to go on but once it's done i'm listening and i can be like no this is an album this is an album track this is not something that you know this is not a mixtape one this is this is for the album so it's really just going by the vibe once the song's finished and you listen to it you can kind of tell a, a, a album song from just something that could be like a single or something that you could just throw on a mixtape or whatever. So it's really just about the vibe, you know, once I figure out how it feels, then that's where I put it at. <laughs> I love that. I love that. And you have a, at least you're doing, you're doing pride in Chicago in a couple yeah. months, right? Uh, yeah. <laughs> that would be exciting. Do you have any other shows coming up or, or kind of tell me about that one? It's a lot. My itinerary is my itinerary is pretty packed up. I'm sure I'm going. I think I'm supposed to be doing going back to Detroit, I believe, because I went out there for like a little mini Midwest tour. So I should be going back there. Um, I think there's something else in Texas. I'm not 100 percent sure because I was just there as well for South by Southwest. So that was dope. Oh, so, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. You got a chance to perform at South by. Mm-hmm. It was really it was it was all it's always a, a vibe, honestly, to walk down and just see like all everything just open and everybody outside. And it's it, it was just a vibe. So it was exciting to get to perform out there. So I think any anybody that wants me in their city, all they have to do is ask. I'm popping out anywhere. So at this point, I'll probably be everywhere that I can be for the spring and summer. <laughs> amazing. Amazing. Well, Cookie, thank you so much for taking the time to hang out with me today. Thank you for having me. I, I love, I love doing interviews. <laughs> uh, you're, you're awesome. And I appreciate your time. I have one more question uh, before I let you go. I want to know if you have any advice for aspiring artists. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, cause there's tons of things you can say, right. <laughs> but my, this honestly is stay consistent and you know be your authentic self like and i know that probably sounds cliche because everyone says that like you know be yourself and do you know it, it definitely sounds cliche but it, it it really is the fundamentals of your success when you're just being unapologetically yourself and staying true to what you want to do and the art that you want to create that's that's honestly all you can do whoever likes it likes it and whoever don't like oh well <laughs> you know you just got to focus on what you're doing and what's best for you and stay consistent because you can't drop something one month and then don't show up for the next eight. (laughs) You have to to keep, you know, keep putting out music and stay consistent and stay true. That's, that's all you can do. 